0: Welcome to Support Heroes by Kaizo, the number one source of customer support insights in the world of audio. I'm your host, Sebastian. Each week on the show, we'll be having insightful conversations with customer support professionals from some of the most well-known and exciting companies around the world. If you're looking to forward your career in customer support, this is the place to learn from those who have succeeded in doing exactly that. Our superstar guests are at the ready to provide you the lessons they learned from many years on the front line of customer support. So without further ado, sit back, relax and enjoy yet another episode Support Heroes by Kaizo. Virag, thank you for joining me. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good, thank you. How are you?
0: Very well, very well. I have to say a little bit jealous because I see that you have some lovely sunshine behind you. It's a little bit sunny here, but dare I say, I'm not too confident about how the day is going to progress. What's the weather like with you?
1: More or less the same. It was scorching hot for about two, three weeks. And then yesterday, Mm -hmm. the temperature suddenly dropped from like 38 degrees to 19. So at the moment, uh, it's it's okay. I'm inside. I have to work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have to work. And at least I'm not jealous of everyone else who is outside. So
0: Mm, that's always good. Yeah. I always thought it was cruel (laughs) the way that uh, kids have their exams during the summertime, time that they really, really want to be outside. Do the exams in winter when you've got nothing better to do anyway. And <laughs> yeah. You're stuck inside anyway, you know?
1: Exactly. It's too hot to concentrate.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It really is, right? I think it's easier to concentrate in the cold than it is to concentrate in the hot as well. Maybe that's just a theory because I'm from the north of Europe. <laughs> um, uh, where are you based?
1: I am in Berlin.
0: Oh, really? Good weather in Berlin. Is that rare?
1: I've only been here for a couple of years Apparently, it, it is quite rare. It is a new thing the last few years mm. that the summers are actually getting very hot. Mm. Yeah, changing.
0: I'm sensing a little bit of a trend here, right? I mean, you arrive in the city, then they suddenly have good weather. Um, actually, maybe that's a good segue into my first question. So, Virag, the way we usually like to start the show is I have the guests introduce themselves, tell us a little bit about themselves, where they're from, how they arrived in the support industry. So could you please tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. I am from Hungary. I moved to the UK as soon as I finished high school when I was 18. Mm -hmm. Then I lived there up until about two, two and a half years ago when I moved to Berlin. Mm. So I had quite a different job before, still customer service related, but I was a cabin crew, so I worked in the travel industry. Then, of course, the whole pandemic started and then my job became unnecessary suddenly. Mm. (laughs) I have been thinking about A little change for a while, Mm -hmm. something a little bit more calm, with a more regular schedule, Mm. an office type of job, you know. So I came across this offer when they were looking for Hungarian speaking support at Simple Assurance, well, Hungarian and English. This was actually the first and only job I applied to at the time, and I was lucky and I got it. So I'm here.
0: (laughs) Nice. Happy to hear it. So this was your first support job, correct? The, mm. the, the interesting thing that, that I detected in your answer just there is you said that it's a more relaxed job as opposed to being cabin crew. And my, my cousin is a pilot, so I totally sympathize with how you're flying all over the place and it can be really, really hectic, especially if you've got a lot of flights in one shift. Can you talk to me a little bit about that transition? How is that for you? Because it's not something that I hear very often. Oh, support's really chill compared to what I did before.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I would say it is quite different and a little bit similar at the same time but um, the best part i find is i don't have to get up at let's say two three in the morning so for me that's definitely a plus i start work pretty much at the same time every day and Mm -hmm. i'm just i don't have this exhaustion that i had from flying all the time i don't know maybe this is not for everyone but i always found i was always really tired i was always very bloated everything was hurting Mm. maybe it was just me i know people who weren't the same but uh, i find it quite nice that i have my own little schedule i get up in the morning i can stay at home from work and Mm. for me this is nice yeah (laughs) this is more relaxed yeah
0: yeah, I can definitely see where you're coming from.
1: I don't have to, yeah, I I don't meet because at a normal day. I always met hundreds of people, had to mm. take care of hundreds of people every day. I was with them in person, this type of job. You're in front mm. of a computer, you have time to think about your answers. If you have to contact someone, I find that a little, yeah. little bit easier.
0: I can definitely see that. And credit to you as well. No one should be built to, to deal with lack of sleep. and. Nor should you feel bad about not being able to do so, or not wanting to do so. So absolutely, I can totally see that. So I think maybe a good way to start the context of how you involved yourself with Simple Insurance, uh, Simple Insurance sorry, is you joined Simple Insurance in September, and that was actually during the pandemic, right? Yes. And right at the beginning when you joined, you saw this dip in workload. And the interesting thing, I think, for you at that time was that you said that they introduced some training courses right there. One of the training courses that you mentioned to me that was interesting was handling angry customers. So, coming into support as kind of a fresh face, but having a lot of experience in the service industry, right? Because being cabin crew and, and attending to people in that environment can very well be stressful. Not everyone is polite and, and you have to put a smile on your face and things like this. So, I think it's great experience to set you up. But, what were some of those lessons that you got from the course of dealing with angry customers? And what was different from your experience before? Maybe something that you found surprising.
1: I would say it was a very good reminder of some points that I already knew or I was already Mm. supposed to know. Yeah. We learned some de-escalation techniques, for example.
0: Oh, interesting. What would some of those be?
1: It sounds quite typical, I guess, for someone in a customer support, but it's mostly about staying calm and sympathize or we learned some interesting things about, for example, because this is the first time I had to contact customers via email or reply to their questions in writing. So Mm. for example, when someone is not happy with the service and they send a not so happy email with their problems, we learn that it's useful to use similar words that they use and make sure we use, uh, we kind of mirror the original email because this is more clear that we are trying to take care of the problem or we are addressing Mm -hmm. the problem. So I, I found it quite useful because, as I said, this is the first time I was doing this in writing. Mm. And um, for me, because I tend to be quite emotional, maybe that's not the best quality for a customer service-related job. I think
0: it is. You need to be emotionally yeah. intelligent to connect with people.
1: <laughs> that's true, yes. The problem is with me that I noticed over the years, even though the first thing they tell you when someone is angry, don't take it personally, this is not about you. Mm. I find it hard not to take it personally. So this training Absolutely. kind of reminded me about this a little bit more. It helps helps mm-hmm. me to stay a little bit calmer. Mm. We actually talked about this. And you mentioned it before the recording when uh, mm. we had this discussion. Like when I get angry because someone is angry, mm. I feel like the options to solve this problem suddenly disappear. I don't think about yep. these things. My my mind is not very really clear if I, mm-hmm. if I am able to stay calm, it's good for me because it's less exhausting. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I'm also able to solve the problem faster because I'm thinking about the mm. options. I'm not blinded by somebody being angry or shouting at me or being unhappy in general. So mm. I would say this was quite a good reminder for me personally.
0: Absolutely. No, I completely agree. And and the, the thing that you referenced there. What we spoke about before we jumped on to the recording was two things. The first, that neuroscience has found that when you become emotional, your brain operates in a very different way. Not to go into too much detail, but basically the the neurotransmitters that are used within the brain change depending on your emotional state, which makes a lot of sense, right? If you're angry or if you're upset, your brain will function in different ways and the ideas that you come to will therefore be different. The other thing to remember too is that you can create that same shift within someone else. So a very common technique that, that I really appreciate is when you encounter someone who's angry, you say something surprising to them to make them laugh, or you say something that uh, maybe is sad and would make them sympathize, just anything to change the emotional context of the situation. And it actually restarts their brain, right? So it can change their mind the same way that your mind changed, and you can put them in a different state. So yeah, if you make someone laugh and they're angry, From that point onwards, they will be looking at that conversation and their brain will be operating in a fundamentally different way, which I think is super interesting. It's actually something that I learned from a guy called Chris Voss, who was the head hostage negotiator at the FBI. But it is interesting the way that you can take a angry customer and try and project this calmness. And then if you have a little bit of time with them and you show them some success, you can really turn them around. I think if I put myself in your shoes, Vidag, when you were learning how to kind of care for these customers at Simple Assurance, one of the things that you mentioned to me as being a key challenge that you need to overcome is the fact that it is a very lengthy process to, to get your customers through these insurance claims. Could you first just lay the groundwork of how that works, what Simple Assurance does, and then maybe we can talk about some of the details? Yeah, so
1: basically Simple Assurance works with a lot of different insurers. So our company provides a technical background to make insurance more simple, more accessible. The whole process is always done online. So buying the insurance, reporting claims, managing the claims, the whole process is always done online. We have device insurance. I, I, work, I mostly work on device insurance. There are a lot of different types of insurance products that the company offers. There is also a broker service. So there is really a lot going on. Basically what the company does, they might partner with with another company, for example. For example, Revolut, we partner with Revolut. Mm -hmm. We take their app and we make it possible that the insurance can be purchased in the Revolut app. So this is basically what we do with different companies. We can work with shops in the UK who sell computers or accessories online. And then during the checkout, mm-hmm. they can also buy insurance. And then we help them have this feature to make sure that the customers can easily buy the insurance. That's right. pretty Understood. much the concept. Yes. So everything mm-hmm. is done online. They get their documents via emails. They go to our website. They report a claim and we do everything online. They are notified via email. They can always call, of course, if they want to, Mm. but everything is done in writing and there are different types of insurances in different countries, different terms and conditions. Some of them are a little bit more, yeah, some of them are a bit more straightforward, very customer friendly, Mm. very easy. Some of them not so much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And we wonder which ones are your favorite. (laughs) Thank you for that. So just to yeah to further contextualize, so a lot of your work then is helping customers along these claims. So it is possible for customers to uh, submit claims through the the website, but they can also ask you guys for help. And, and that's what you predominantly do. And the thing that stood out to me when you and I were talking about this process is that it is quite a lengthy process, right? You're kind of going back and forth with the customer, asking for documentation, helping them along the process. And you're kind of leading them down this long path that will eventually result in them getting their money and their claim going through. What are some of the things that you've learned about leading this customer along this journey? Because it can be very difficult for people to motivate themselves to send the documents, to get on that, to be on top of the conversation and constantly going back and forth with the support person. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I usually try to consider this based on an individual claim. So sometimes, There are certain things that we normally ask for in different steps. I try Mm -hmm. to think a little bit ahead and say, okay, I know we will need this in the future. So I better ask for it now, all together with something else. It's not Mm -hmm. always possible. And sometimes there are things that come up during the process. You don't realize that you will need, but since the customer mentioned this, or this is an individual claim where it's necessary, then you have to think about that and ask for it. I always try to make it as simple as possible, making different requests in one go. And I always try to explain that why we need something or how it works. And normally that helps. Mm -hmm. It can be a little bit complicated, but I basically understand the process. They do not know Mm -hmm. how the process works. They just see that oh, I got another email asking for something and then I got another email asking for something. So right. if I try to explain it to them a little bit why why we need something as much as it can be explained or we can mm. share it with them, normally it helps and right. then they can see a light at the end of the tunnel and, yeah. and then it might make it a little bit easier.
0: If you're enjoying this program and would like to hear more, please consider following us on your favorite podcast provider and if you'd like to support five-star on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. Mm. I think also connected to what you mentioned earlier, being personally responsible for this stuff. You also mentioned to me that it ultimately really isn't down to simple insurance what needs to be done, right? That really comes down to the terms and conditions of the insurance company that's providing the insurance. Simple insurance is just the middleman. So in that conversation with the customer, yeah, you're not necessarily the person holding the power. You're the intermediary. You're saying, hey, your insurance company wants you to do this, this, and this. I'm here to help you. I'm here to provide you the information and submit that stuff to them. But unfortunately, this isn't up to me. This isn't up to Simple Assurance. This has already been set by them. And the other interesting thing that you mentioned to me was that each claim is unique, right? And there are huge differences between the way that different companies do things, which basically means that you as a support agent need to be on top of so much information Could you talk to me a little bit about that? Because it is super, super complicated, right?
1: Yes. So we work in a lot of different countries and we do have a lot of other support agents speaking different languages. So, for example, the company is German. So we have a German support side and then we have an international side. And within the international team, or even in the German team, we have colleagues who speak different languages to be able to understand mm-hmm. customers from different nationalities or different terms and conditions. Mm-hmm. So it, it took me a lot of practice when I started to realize that even terms and conditions from the UK can be very different, even though they are all written in English. But you just have to learn and get, uh, get a little bit used to it. And, you know, we always have the documents available. We have sort of our wiki available where we can find right. most of the information a little bit easier. And there is always help and there is always ways to find the information you need. You just have to, to learn how to find it, basically.
0: Mm. And something else that I'm interested in, um, speaking about that wiki, let's say one or two insurance companies make some changes to their policies. I assume that the wiki will be updated by someone managing that. But can you talk to me a little bit about how that affects you as an agent and also how your colleagues keep you guys informed? Because I can imagine it could be difficult to keep on top of every change within this wiki document. So can you talk to me about that process, please?
1: Yes. Well, if there are any important changes, it is always immediately announced by one of our managers. Mm -hmm. So it is quite straightforward. But in the meantime, it takes a bit of practice to get used to it. Because when you work with different companies, different terms and conditions, if there is a change in one terms and conditions, then you really have to remember that it's that one where you have to pay a little Mm -hmm. bit more attention because somehow the processes have changed. We have to do something different. So we always have audits So all the insurance companies will check how we work with their insurance products, how we manage it, Mm. or how we handle the claims. So there is a continuous work going on between the companies, but of course they want to see that we do this properly. And uh, mistakes can happen, but I would say when there is something new, there is always a really effective and fast way to find out about it. So our managers are Mm. usually on the top of it as much as they can, and they will they will tell us all the information
0: that we need. Right. I suppose if they didn't do that, then your job would be very, very difficult.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: So could you talk to me a little bit about how it was for you to try and explain these things to customers? Because insurance in and of itself is something that is quite complicated. So as someone who came in and understood this stuff from a new perspective, has that influenced the way that you communicate it to the customers? And what did you learn along the way?
1: Yes, well, before before I came in, I definitely thought insurance is something extremely complicated and I will never be able to get it right, even if I do this job. Um, you can make it a lot more straightforward. I mean, I had a lot of training at the beginning and I had to learn where to find all the important information, in the terms and conditions. And I think as a customer, the last thing you want to do is go through... Many, many, many pages of terms and conditions (laughs) yet. Heaven forbid. Yeah, to find something. So I always try to help them. I normally now know where to find the information that we need the most. Mm. And I know how to look for it. So I always share it with them. I always send a copy. I highlight it. I point it out. This, of course, means they are not always very happy about the answer because the terms and conditions will say something that they don't like. But Mm. as long as you point it out to them and guide them through the process and show them why we need the document or how, how the claim process would work or how a repair process would work. It is always easier if you have a good understanding of your terms and conditions that you work with, and then you can easily explain it to someone who may not understand it so well.
0: Right. And I suppose also when you do encounter those angry customers, explaining the why, this is why this is the case, i'm sorry i can't change it unfortunately it's not up to me these are the things that can kind of calm them down and and help them get along the process with you right
1: yes that's correct not everyone really cares if you cannot change something
0: yeah you mentioned (laughs) this to me
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah. um normally it works i mean we always try to help as much as we can because we know that this is not always easy so we try to be Mm. Yeah, so we try to be a little bit flexible or we try to have them a little bit as much as it's possible or as much it is allowed by our insurers or terms and conditions. Mm. They usually appreciate it, but we of course always have every now and then someone who just really wants things their way. Yes. (laughs) They just want things their way and they don't Mm. care about the fact or they are not interested in the fact that it's not something that you decide.
0: Yeah. No, I completely get that. It reminds me of a time actually when my... So I went to university in Amsterdam and I I did a course that was called PPLE, which was politics, psychology, law and economics. And um, obviously because I was applying in Holland, my dad's Dutch. So he was helping me out reading the forms, checking what I was doing, all this sort of stuff. And um, (laughs) with this Dutch portal where you sign up to your courses, my dad actually signed me up to a Dutch political science course. So it was in Dutch and it was political science, completely different course. I turned up on my first day and I was signed up to two university degrees, one of which was in a language that I'm not, I'm not super comfortable in. Um, so I called up my dad and I'm like, I don't know how or why I got signed up to this political science course. And He's like, oh, I did that. And I'm like, why? Why? We, we, like, I have a degree. I'm doing this degree, dad. Why did you sign me up to this thing? And he just said, well, it's the same thing, isn't it? Oh, okay. It's not the same thing, dad. <laughs> it's not the same thing. It's not even in the same language. It's like, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. So that, that really reminded me of that case. So you can't really do anything in that situation. If they think it's the same thing and it's not the same thing, then what are you going to do?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not much more you can do about
0: it. Exactly. At that point, I, I can't do anything, right? It's like <laughs> I'll respectfully say to the professor, I'm sorry, I'm not doing a Dutch political science course. I'm actually doing a different degree. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so another thing that you mentioned to me was that partially due to Brexit and also partially due to the pandemic, you had especially awkward processes within the UK So you had customers kind of having to go out of their way and do this and that, um, even outside of the normal claim process. First and foremost, could you just explain a little bit of uh, why that was the case and and what happened? And then maybe we can talk about how it was for you managing those customer relationships in those situations.
1: Okay. Well, the way they would normally work, I can only say based on my experience, because I work with electronic devices, mostly mobile phones or maybe tablets. Mm -hmm. So it might not be the same in every single department that we have Mm -hmm. or with every colleague. But mostly the way we were processing claims was quite straightforward. So we checked the documents that we needed and then they had to send their device for repair. And then if everything goes well, a few days later they get it back. And then the claim is settled. If it cannot be fixed and they get a new one or we will pay out to them and they can buy a new one Mm. if they want. Brexit and the pandemic made it a little bit complicated. So we had Mm -hmm. to adopt processes for this situation. We also had this before. There were people who didn't want to send their devices or there were devices which this repair partner that we use might not be authorized to repair. So in that case, they would Mm -hmm. always have to do it themselves wherever they want. In this case, they will have to submit a lot more documents and pictures and information than in the normal process. And the problem was with Brexit that our repair partners are in Europe. So we had quite a system set up with shipping. Suddenly, the companies were asking for more documents to deliver the devices in Europe. And they wanted to check if this is for commercial use, if this is going to be for sale. And Mm. sometimes there are problems with the the import tax. In this case, there is no import tax because this is not something that will be sold in the EU. Mm -hmm. But there are different paperworks to go with it. And the transition wasn't very straightforward. Mm. Even we noticed that while these courier companies have their own processes and it might look very straightforward on their website. Their employees also have problems following this, these processes. Mm. So it happens a lot that we have the correct paperwork, but they say we don't have the correct paperwork just because this one Mm. person might be a little bit confused about it. Yeah. How, Mm. how it works. It is not easy. So I can understand that it takes some time for everyone to get used to it. And I would say we are experiencing less and less problems, but. Especially at the beginning, we had to change the process a little bit. So we offered for everyone to fix their devices locally, wherever they want, so within the UK. So the UK had very strict rules during the pandemic and very strict lockdown. And these shops, for example, Apple was closed. A lot of repair shops were closed Mm. because this wasn't really the type of service which fell into the essentials category. I think that's what you had. Only the essential shops were allowed to stay open. Mm -hmm. So it was a little bit tricky because there were some cases where we were just not able to get the device to the EU, but the customer was also not able to repair it because the shops were closed. And Mm. when we were finally able to get the device to the EU, the customer didn't want to be in contact with anyone else. So like a delivery courier, somebody who picks it up because this is also also Mm. an option, but I guess it is understandable that some people really wanted to isolate. They didn't want to be in touch with anyone else. Yeah. To be honest, you're out of options then because right.
0: That's how what, I felt like. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. What What can you do? And we really mm. had some people demanding that we just pay them money, basically, that we pay them out, but without any way for us to be sure that this device is broken and see what's wrong with this device or what we can do about it. We yeah. are not allowed to just pay them money because...
0: You're not the insurer. You're just connecting them with the insurers.
1: Yes, exactly. I mean, I am i don't want to sound like I assume the worst from everyone because...
0: No, no, no. I but don't. you have to have that skepticism, <laughs> right? Because the insurers yeah. have that same skepticism of, of you guys within support and within Simple Assurance as a whole. Yeah. So it's totally understandable. The phrase that I would use that we use in English often is that you're between a rock and a hard place. Right. You you have no good options, uh, which is a phrase I love. If you're interested in learning more about customer support, visit kaiser.com slash blog. There you'll also be able to find a subscription to our newsletter for more valuable content. Thank you. So could you talk to me a little bit about how does one calm down a customer when you just don't have any options to really satisfy their needs? Right. You. You go down this road, it doesn't work. You go down that road, it doesn't work. You go down this road, it doesn't work. You have that customer that really wants your help, but you can't really help them. What do you do then?
1: It is hard. We always have a supervisor involved in this case Mm -hmm. because that normally helps already if the customer sees that there is a supervisor handling or being involved in that case and trying to help them. You just really... You really have to explain. It it did happen a few times. They were quite extreme cases where we tried all this, and you know, at the end, we were even able to sort out a delivery for them to the EU. Make sure everything is accepted. No more problems. And the they miracle still... situation. Yes, yeah. almost. And they didn't want to because they didn't want to leave the house to drop it off, and they didn't want anyone to come to their house to pick it up. Yep,
0: yeah. they were spooked.
1: Yes, it was difficult because these companies have processes. They have contactless delivery. They have contactless pickup. But it's it's a stressful situation. And I find even when we try to explain this to them, that they can do this contactless, for example, they are angry and they, they're a little bit stubborn as well. I feel like now they just don't want to do it just because they don't want us to be right. Maybe that's not the correct way to say it, but... Um, so...
0: There are a few psychological explanations for the situation. It could be that they've invested so much emotion into the idea of not having this fixed that ultimately having that come to nothing and then having it fixed is kind of painful. It could also put them in a state of what we would call um, dissonance, cognitive dissonance, so that they had the impression that this is going to be really, really difficult for a really, really long time. And they kind of came to terms with not getting what they want. And then suddenly they can get what they want. But that isn't what they had built themselves up for at that point. So then when they're put in that situation where, oh, actually, it, was, it is all okay, they're still in that mode before. So that there's that dissonance that between the situation and and what they're thinking and how they feel about themselves and and all this sort of thing. But it is definitely a difficult situation, right? Because at that point, from your perspective, you've invested and your supervisor have invested all this time and energy to try and satisfy this customer to try and make it work for them. And then ultimately, they just say, No, I I don't want this anymore. And then they just walk away. And I think this is actually a really nice way to tie us back to the initial point that you made. And it's that you can't take that personally. And even though you invested so much time and energy into trying to make this work for this customer, if ultimately, they walk away and say, I don't want that, you kind of just have to move on. But it's it's not the easiest thing to do, right?
1: Yes. Well, I would say once you invest all that energy into trying to sort this out for them, where literally half my day was spent on this one customer trying to, yeah. trying to make something work for them, I try to look at it from a different perspective that, you know, I learned from it. And now if something similar comes up, maybe I will be able to offer a solution a lot faster because previous time it took me a few hours to see and figure out how this works or what we can do, but now I know this. So now next time it happens, I will be able to maybe offer this solution immediately and it might save a lot of energy for me and also for the customer. So the customer will not get into this cycle or like you mentioned, this cognitive dissonance and they may be satisfied a lot faster. Eventually I took something away from that experience even though it wasn't the best experience for me either. Mm. But I also think at the end if we go through these efforts yes this is our job to do this to make sure we find mm. a way for them but if they decide that they don't want that and they don't want their claim to be settled that's their decision. So yeah. ultimately this is not doing anything to me this is going to affect them more than than myself I would say. Mm.
0: Super mature of you. I really, really respect that. And it's not an easy thing to say and it's not an easy thing to do. I suppose also the benefit is that because you went through that half day of suffering, uh, maybe one of your colleagues doesn't have to do the same, right? <laughs> that because you went through that and your supervisor went through that, they can put it in the wiki and say, hey, in, in this unique situation, these are our options. This is what we learned. So I think that's the other kind of nice thing about support that if you, Virag, have a uncomfortable experience, perhaps one of your colleagues will have a less uncomfortable experience because you learned something and you can record that and then you can, your supervisor can guide your, your colleague through that same process. Um, we've somewhat come to the end of the session. Is there something that you would like to leave the listeners with? Is there something that we didn't touch on that you would have liked to have spoken about?
1: Yes. I mean, maybe just to sort of sum, summarize things we talked about. Mm-hmm. For example, about processes and the experience of working in the different companies and trying to synchronize your processes with other companies, mm-hmm. I would say it, it is very important to make it transparent because I think the support is the connection between the customer and the company. Yeah. And support has to understand what's happening and they have to be able to communicate this to the customer as soon as possible. And it is very important to remain transparent of the processes to update your support team as much as possible when there is a new process or something is changing because that makes life a lot easier, (laughs) you know. And also about training, yeah. Because you mentioned a lot of expressions from psychology. psychology. Yes. So I also study psychology. And I realized that when I am at work, there are a lot of situations where I could use my knowledge on psychology or what I learned Mm -hmm. in psychology and maybe this is just me but I find it sometimes really hard to connect the two, you know, like to connect something I learned at psychology to use with an angry customer or with any type of situation. It's not always that Mm -hmm. straightforward until somebody tells you that it's actually quite straightforward like you did. Mm. There was actually a new training that my colleague said was very useful. This was in German, so I didn't do it because my mm. German is still shockingly bad to do something advanced like that, unfortunately. <laughs> and uh, And, uh, but my colleagues mentioned that they were doing this training, which actually had a lot of interesting things to say from a psychological perspective. And they said that they were able to understand these processes a lot better. And make the connection between a customer and psychology, Mm. what might be going through in them. And I would say maybe it would be interesting for companies to consider something like this, to provide some kind of a psychological training for their support Mm. team. I mean, this is a very emotional job and you have to deal with a lot of different people. And I think a basic understanding of psychology would be very helpful for everyone in this case.
0: Yeah. I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. And for myself, I I use the psychology that I learned, particularly around decision-making and the formation of opinions all the time, all the time. Uh, Simple things. People pay attention to what you start with and what you finish with. The stuff in between is less, less easy to remember. Mm -hmm. So start and finish with what matters. Yeah. Things like this. So little tricks. And that's also why I really like speaking to people like you and, and asking about what tricks you learn along the way, because you know. Perhaps a lot of what we've said during this conversation is not news to someone, but that one little trick that they hadn't heard of before, or maybe that one thing that they can think differently about, maybe makes their life that little bit more easy and makes their customers that little bit more satisfied. Each individual tool in your toolbox to constantly make you a better support agent.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: Well, Verag, thank you so much for joining me. It was lovely spending some time with you. Thank you very much for your insights. Uh, Thank you for sharing them and thank you for coming and i hope you have a lovely day
1: yeah thank you for having me and uh, hope you have a good day too thank you thank you
0: again thanks see you later everyone have a good one if you're enjoying this program and would like to hear more please consider following us on your favorite podcast provider and if you'd like to support rate us five star on apple podcasts thank you